people are going to be surprised at in the long term is that there's a good chance that a large portion of Michael Jackson's estate may have already been in the trust prior to his death. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. My co-host, Jay Craig Williams, uh, is not available to be with us today, so we're going to proceed along without him. Today's show is sponsored by Clio, the web-based practice management system, and also by Landy Insurance. Well, with the death of Michael Jackson, uh, his will is being dissected uh, by many. Uh, The first major probate hearing involving his estate was held earlier this week. And uh, as the National Law Journal reports today, there were an army of lawyers there representing uh, just about every stakeholder in the case. Uh, uh, The judge in Los Angeles ruled in favor, ruled that uh, Jackson's close friend, John McClain, and his longtime attorney, John Branca, uh, will act uh, as administrators of the estate, uh, request uh, for Catherine Jackson, Jackson's mother to be co-administrator, was denied, um, but uh, she will be given uh, temporary custody, at least uh, of his children, at least pending a further hearing, which is scheduled for August 3rd. in addition to just custody issues, a number of questions remain about his estate and uh, some of the debt he left behind, the the uh, income he's sure to, his estate is sure to continue to earn. Uh, we're going to look a little bit at the issues surrounding his estate today, uh, and in particular at the estate planning issues and what they, what lessons they might offer from a broader perspective. Uh, helping us do that today are going to be two guests, uh, two experts in this field. First of all, let me welcome to the program Lawrence H. Heller. Uh, Lawrence Heller is an international tax and estate planning attorney at the firm Brian Cave. Mr. Heller's estate planning practice includes structuring complex estate plans for high net worth individuals and members of their families, the preparation of wills, complex trusts, both domestic and offshore, and other estate planning documents post-mortem tax planning, and estate administration for both foreign and domestic clients. Mr. Heller is a founding member of the Los Angeles branch of STEP, an international organization of trust and estate practitioners, uh, and he has uh, done uh, estate planning for uh, celebrities himself, including Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, welcome to the program, Lawrence Heller. Thank you, Bob. And next to join us is Professor Thomas Featherston, the Mills Cox Professor of Law at Baylor Law School. Professor Featherston joined the Baylor Law School faculty in 1982, and in 1990, he was appointed the Mills Cox Chair. He's active in both the State Bar of Texas and the American Bar Association, having served as the chair of the Real Estate Probate and Trust Law Section of the State Bar and currently serving on the Governing Council of the Real Estate Probate and Trust Law Section of the American Bar Association. Professor Featherston published the book, 
Questions and Answers, Wills, Trusts, and Estates, uh, which came out in its second edition in 2008. He's a frequent author and lecturer in the areas of trusts, estates, marital property, and fiduciary administration. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Professor Tom Featherston. Oh, hello, everybody. Much in the news this week, uh, of course, has been uh, perhaps too much in the news this week for some, but uh, has been the death of Michael Jackson. And uh, in particular, it's it's certainly from a legal point of view, raising uh, interest and questions about his estate planning. Late, late last week, I guess it was, the uh, his, his five-page will came to light. Uh, and as I mentioned, there was a hearing earlier this week. I'd like to start by just asking for, I guess, kind of your initial impressions of uh, the estate planning approach taken by Michael Jackson based on what we've seen so far. Uh, and uh, Lawrence, let me just start with you. As a California lawyer, and this was a California state plan, I, I think this is a, a pretty typical, well-drafted will. It's what we call a pour-over will, P-O-U-R, which means that uh, all of the assets that uh, are not that have not been transferred to the underlying trust will eventually pour over into the Michael Jackson Family Trust. Uh, the Michael Jackson Family Trust. Uh, was created earlier before this will was executed. According to the will, it was executed. It was created on March 22, 2002. And uh, if you look at the will, you'll see that it tells you very little about who the uh, beneficiaries are. All of that is left to the underlying trust, the Michael Jackson Family Trust. Uh, it's interesting to note that, uh, based on the notices, we do know that not only uh, are Mr. Bronk and McLean named as the executors under the will, but they're also named as the trustees under the uh, Jackson Family Trust, which uh, will lend itself to continuity. And again, this is, uh, this is fairly typical for California uh, estate planning. Tom Featherston, how about you? What are your kind of initial uh, uh, high-level reaction to what we've seen so far here? I agree with Lawrence. Uh, biggest surprise I had was how typical the planning really was, as it appears in the will. And what I think people are going to be surprised at in the long term is that there's a good chance that uh, a large portion of Michael Jackson's estate, his his worth, his his assets, may have already been in the trust prior to his death. Uh, I did notice on on a Wikipedia listing that the uh, Sony ATV Music Publishing which is a public limited company, uh, it lists the owners as the Michael Jackson Family Trust. So I suspect that a large portion of the estate may have already been in the trust prior to his death. And uh, I'm not sure if the the media has really picked up on that yet. Well, why is that? Why would uh, an estate be set up in a way to uh, house the bulk of the assets in a trust rather than uh, provide for them in the will itself? Uh, Lawrence Heller? By by putting the assets in in the trust and setting up uh, the trust, uh, it provides for privacy and confidentiality. Uh, keep in mind, the trust is not surfaced. Uh, we've, we've heard reports about the distributions, but uh, nobody has really seen a copy of the trust as far as I know. And that's because it's a private document. 
And typically what is done with, with estate planning is to not only create the trust, but to actually transfer all of the assets to the trust. As Tom indicated, if indeed the Sony ATV uh, music catalog uh, interest is in the trust, the planners have got a long way towards uh, uh, doing the right thing. Uh, we don't know at this point, uh, as far as Neverland is concerned and some of the other major assets, uh, what other assets have actually been placed in the trust. But uh, you can find out uh, with regard to real estate, uh, sometimes uh, if, if it is real estate, it'll be uh, uh, subject to scrutiny under the uh, uh, county, recording, uh, county uh, records of the uh, county that the property is located in. Another thing that's significant about that is that for those assets which are already in the trust at the time of Michael Jackson's death, it appears as if that uh, uh, Mr. Bronca and Mr. McLean are already in control and possession of those assets as the apparent successor trustees uh, of that family trust. I might add, too, that sort of a crossover between Texas and, and California connections, uh, that when Anna Nicole Smith's husband died, um, her husband, J. Howard Marshall, used a similar type of planning device, and uh, his team of lawyers and accountants prior to his death painstakingly made sure at the time of his death everything he had owned had already been transferred to the trust so that, uh, in effect, at the time of his death, there really were no probate assets uh, to pass under his pour-over will into the trust. And so this is a, a common uh, estate planning technique for the reasons that Lawrence was describing. What about the uh, issue of, of Jackson's mother uh, having requested to become a co-administrator of the estate? Uh, was this a, a matter of the judge simply uh, going by, on a, at least for a temporary basis, going by what was specified in the will? I think that's probably the case. Since the, the will had been filed for probate and pending the probate hearing to see whether or not the court admits what a probate, uh, I think it's likely the court was saying that uh, under the will, at least what appears to be the valid will, uh, that Mr. Jackson had appointed these two individuals as the co-executors. So pending uh, the, 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 the hearing on the probate of the will, uh, let's name these two individuals, the named executors, as the temporary administrators of the of the probate estate. After all, they apparently are already the co-trustees of the family trust, where a large portion of the estate may already be uh, pending. And I agree with Tom. I think uh, that would be a logical move for the judge. And in fact, if you look at the order, uh, it's interesting to know that the order states that uh, the hearing that was he held uh, on Monday uh, says the court is not finding today that the decedents that the decedent died testate. In other words, what they're saying is they're waiting for the will to be proved at the August third hearing, and in the meantime, they're granting special letters of administration instead of appointing uh, Mr. Bronca and Mr. McLean as the executors, which will be their position. Uh, what if the will is proven and uh, uh, the judge uh, accepts it. 
Is that the next step in this case? What happens next legally? We, I mean, this, it sounds like the, the hearing uh, on Monday was, was almost uh, a formality and fairly perfunctory. Uh, but uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, based, on, based on the National Law Report, there, were, there was a small army of, of lawyers there nonetheless. What happens next uh, in, this, in this case? I think the next thing would likely to happen from a significant perspective will be the, this hearing in August. Uh, to see whether or not the will will be admitted to probate at that point in time. And if so, at that point in time, probably Mr. Bronco and Mr. McLean will be appointed as the executors of the estate. But a lot of things can happen between now and then if anybody actually challenges the will, and then and we wind up with a will contest. But uh, I agree with Lawrence. Yeah, the will uh, appears to be validly executed. Uh, it ties in with this family trust that appears to have been ongoing for a number of years. Significant assets appear to have already been in the the uh, family trust. So uh, my gut reaction is going to be pretty difficult to challenge the will. And, you know, following up on what Tom said earlier, if most of the assets are in fact in the trust, they are already under the control of Mr. Bronk and McLean. So Mrs. Jackson has less of an incentive really to uh, challenge uh, the validity of the will. Uh, the, the will on its face appears to be valid. Of course, uh, as, as Tom indicated, you can always challenge a will based on uh, capacity, and you could, do the, you could make the same challenge of the, uh, the trust, but that would be a difficult uphill fight to prove that Michael Jackson in 2002 did not have the mental capacity uh, what we call the testamentary capacity to execute these documents and to know what they said. What about the uh, issue uh, in his will of having named his mother as guardian for his children? Uh, is, is that is it significant that that be done in, in a will? And uh, to what extent does that now bind a, a judge in, in, uh, in following through on, on those wishes? Well, that's an issue that can vary you know, from state to state, but I think you can generally say that, uh, uh, that, that an, a parent, a parent of minor children, uh, the last surviving parent, uh, has the right to name who that parent would like to serve as the guardian, that is, the caretakers of the minor children until they become adult. And, of course, this raises the, the, the big issue of what are the parental rights of the, the, the two older children's mother. I've seen reports in the media that her parental rights have been terminated, but I haven't seen in the media where they said it was done by court as opposed to just an agreement between the, the two parents. So I think that's a, that's a big issue. Uh, if the mother's parental rights have not been terminated by a court, uh, normally you would think in terms of the biological mother having the, the, the first right of, of custody of the children. But there's a lot of uh, questions up in the air on that issue, from, at least from the perspective I've seen. Yeah, I would agree. Under, under California law, the probate court is quite clear. Uh, the determination and the appointment of the guardian for the children is based on what's in the best interest of the children. So you've got a couple of competing considerations here, because uh, as Tom indicated, the state does favor the uh, the surviving parents. So all things being equal, uh, in most situations, the surviving parent would be uh, named as the guardian. But of course, 
the court has to take into consideration uh, Mrs. Rowe's uh, past uh, dealings with, with regard uh, to the children. And uh, another important consideration that the judge has to think about is if he were under some circumstances to award custody uh, to make Mrs. The, the mother, the guardian for the two children, uh, that may not be in the best interest of the children since you'd be then breaking up the, uh, the family. And that's something that the judge, I think, will take a hard look at and consider that before uh, ruling in favor of Mrs. Rowe, should she uh, make any attempt to go after uh, guardianship. Of course, we don't know that. We, there were some reports late last week that she was considering that, but nothing uh, definitive has surfaced. And I understand that that hearing, that's a separate hearing on the guardianship, which was... Uh, 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 moved from uh, last Monday till next Monday. And I might add this, and you know, this may be an area where Texas law differs enough from California law to make this irrelevant, but uh, the law in Texas is we've got two types of guardians for the minor children. It'd be a guardian to person, that is, uh, someone appointed by the court to take physical custody of the children, as opposed to a guardian of the estate who would be appointed by the court to manage any financial assets of the minor children. But in Texas, uh, that would only become a relevant issue at, uh, if assuming there was no surviving parent. So it really is a key issue whether or not the mother's parental rights have been terminated by a court or not. If her parental rights have not been terminated, in Texas at least, this would become more likely a family court issue as opposed to a probate court issue. Lawrence, is, is California law significantly different on that? No, not at all. In fact, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, California would also consider the guardianship uh, of the person of the child and the estate of the child. However, in this situation, uh, it's unlikely that the children have any assets in their own name, so that would make moot uh, having uh, a point, you know, appointing somebody guardian of the estate of the children. As, uh, as we know, uh, the trust is uh, going to uh, be the uh, reciprocal for all of the assets that will uh, uh, provide the support for the children. But having said that, of course, uh, then there will be distributions we would anticipate from the trust to the children, typically uh, distributions will be made for their health, education, support, and maintenance. And uh, depending on the terms of the trust, which, as we've indicated, we haven't seen, uh, I, I would assume it's likely that whatever portion of the estate that uh, eventually goes to the children will continue in trust for their benefit for some period of time. I would agree with that, Lawrence. And I, I add one other thing under Texas law, and maybe the same in California law, that if the mother's parental rights have not been terminated, that under Texas law, the surviving parent is considered the natural guardian of the person, and there's no need for a court proceeding to determine that the, uh, that the surviving parent is the guardian. If I'm hearing you, then, until we see or learn more about this trust document, and, 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 and perhaps we may never see or see it ourselves, I guess, uh, 
I'm not sure if I'm I'm right on that, but as, assuming uh, there's there's this trust document out there, that is the document that's really going to be making provision uh, for uh, for heirs uh, for his children and, and for anybody else who who might be uh, stand to. Uh, inherit any of this estate or benefit in any way from this estate. I mean, the will doesn't tell us anything other than that it all goes to the trust. And then That's it's exactly right. The and that, trust. Is, is that, right? that is standard uh, pour-over planning. And I might add, too, that according to some of the court filings, it appears that there are some charitable beneficiaries under the trust because the Attorney General for California has been joined or, or, or was required to give or receive notice uh, as to the, some of the probate proceedings as being a beneficiary in the trust. So I suspect there, there's some charitable beneficiaries as well. And uh, I agree there is, in fact, uh, uh, Tom, you're absolutely right, there was notice to the Attorney General. Uh, what we've heard was that the estate is going to be divided up uh, into uh, uh, shares. A uh, portion will go to Mrs. Jackson, a portion will go to uh, uh, the children and then uh, a remaining portion to various named charities. That has come out in the press, and that's probably based on uh, various uh, indications of, of the, uh, the attorneys for the estate. But I, I agree, we may never see the actual trust agreement. And when Lawrence says you know, the share is set aside to the children and Mrs. Jackson and the charities, it's likely that th- those shares will be just continue to held in trust, particularly for the family members, for their, for their lifetimes, or at least until they reach a more mature age for, for the children. All right. Uh, stay with us. We're going to take a short break, but uh, when we return, we'll talk more about uh, the will and estate of Michael Jackson. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Right from the beginning, you know, I knew I was important. Can you say that about the insurance agency helping to protect your legal practice? Lawyers like Rebecca Brody are confident working with the Herbert H. Landy Insurance Agency, knowing they have the best professional liability insurance coverage for the best possible price. It is about customer service. I think that's what we like to promote in our business. You know, we did have some kind of specialty questions. We did have some concerns. It was really great, and I really felt like if I'm that well taken care of, it made it possible for me to go and take care of, you know, take care of my business and take care of my clients. Give us a call at 800-336-5422 or visit our website at landy.com. That's L-A-N-D-Y dot com. 60 years of experience. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Uh, this is Bob Ambrogi. Uh, my co-host, Jay Craig Williams, is not with us today. Uh, I'd like to welcome back our guest, Attorney Lawrence H. Heller, an international tax and estate planning attorney at the firm Brian Cave, and Professor Tom Featherston, the Mills Cox Professor of Law at Baylor Law School. And I want to ask our guests about uh, 
the estate assets. Uh, I've heard a lot about uh, potential debt uh, incurred by Michael Jackson. I've heard a lot about uh, Michael Jackson's spending habits. Uh, uh, but I've also heard speculation that uh, uh, there's a, a healthy uh, income coming into this estate uh, and that uh, – Frankly, with with uh, some of the royalties coming in from the recent attention to his recordings, it it may be uh, pumped up even uh, a little bit more than usual. So, where does this get sorted out? Where do his debts get sorted out? Where does the income flow into? Is that all handled through the trust, or will any of that be uh, handled under under the will? Uh, I'll jump in first. Uh, you know, assuming that the uh, the current administrators are appointed as the executors of the estate uh, next month, uh, it'll be the role of the executor uh, to what we call marshal the assets of the estate, which is to identify what assets are in fact probate assets. You know, the assets which are not already been placed in the trust uh, prior to Michael Jackson's death. So you start with marshalling the assets, uh, and then the primary obligation of the executors then is then to satisfy the debts for which the decedent had personal liability using primarily the, the probate assets, which would not otherwise be exempt from, from creditors. And then after the marshalling stage and after the satisfaction of the debts and obligations, including any federal estate taxes or any California inheritance taxes, then to distribute what's left over uh, to the devisee under the will, which is apparently the going to be, is the family trust, assuming that is true. Now, it may very well be that the probate estate proves to be insolvent, that the liabilities exceed the actual probate estate. But I think you'll find the law in most states that the assets of the revocable trust can be reached uh, by the, the settlor's creditors, that is, Mr. Jackson's creditors. So it'll be likely a coordination of effort between the, the Mr. Branca and Mr. McLean as co-trustees and as co-executors to coordinate uh, the, the payment of the, these debts in an, an efficient, effective way to preserve as much of the estate as possible. I agree with Tom. Uh, I think uh, for practical purposes, we ought to think about uh, when we're talking about the debts of the uh, of Michael Jackson uh, that we ought to think about the probate estate and the trust as one uh, one estate for that purpose, because Tom's absolutely right. Under California law, uh, the trust was revocable, we can assume, and uh, does not provide any protection from creditors. So the process of gathering the information, and uh, as the court order says, uh, uh, the two gentlemen were granted the power to to contract for the estate and perform outstanding contracts, and they have the authority to bind the uh, the estate, enter into any other agreements, and start to negotiate and work with the creditors. And uh, just to put things in context, and these aren't hard numbers, but based on the information that I've been able to glean from the media during the last week and a half, uh, if we look at a total estate of somewhere around $600 million and total uh, obligations before estate taxes of $400 million, you're looking at a, a net taxable estate of approximately $200,000. $200 million, so you mean? That Two is, if, if that number holds up, 
then we're looking at, on top of that, an, a federal estate tax uh, that is due within nine months after the date of Mr. Jackson's death. That would be due on March 25th of 2010. That federal estate tax would be just under $90 million. And remember, the tax will be due on March 25th. There is uh, the ability to get a automatic six-month extension to file the tax return, but the, the interest uh, starts running from that date. So you're looking at the federal estate taxes being one of the most significant creditors here. I would agree 100% on that. But, but as I mentioned, there's also likely to be a substantial income coming in. We've talked about the, the, the Beatles catalog. This is the catalog of his own recordings. There's the fact that uh, every radio station, uh, every record store, it seems like, is, is uh, playing and selling Michael Jackson recordings right now. Uh, does that get... Uh, treated in any different way, or does that just become part of the uh, assets of the trust? Let me let me address that because that's a very important and a very good point. Uh, keep in mind, we're talking about two different types of taxes. We're talking about a potential estate or inheritance tax, and we're talking about income tax. Uh, for purposes of the estate, we have to take a snapshot of what the estate value was as of the date of Michael Jackson's death on June 25th of 2009. And everything else is really going to be an increase in value from that date on, uh, in subject not to additional estate tax, but to income tax. And the, uh, the estate representatives, uh, presumably Mr. Brock and Mr. McLean, will be responsible for uh, seeing that the appropriate income tax returns are filed. Uh, the initial income tax return uh, will be filed for Mr. Uh, for Michael Jackson for the period from January 1st, 2009, ending on June 25th, 2009. And everything, uh, all income from that date on will be uh, subject to uh, Form 1041, which will be a fiduciary income tax return representing income earned after the date of death. And Bob, I think your question also was really going to the liquidity issue. You know, it, it appears as if the estate is solvent, that the overall assets, whether they're probate assets or trust assets, will likely exceed uh, the amount of outstanding debt and, and sufficient to pay the, the estate tax liability. The executors and trustees are going to have trouble coming up with the cash to satisfy these debts and obligations. And keep in mind that it, it appears that like all the revenue and royalties that will be flowing in, uh, particularly as for an example from Sony ATV, I mean, they're going to be flowing and pouring into the, to the company. Uh, you know, Mr. Jack, or the, the family trust is a, a shareholder of the company, and I'm not sure what the percentage ownership between the family trust and Sony is, but that revenue is actually going into the company. And until the company makes a, a corporate decision to make a distribution out to the owners, you know, that, that revenue is likely to stay is in the company, uh, not in either the trust or the estate. All right. Well, we are getting near the end of our time. And, and before we conclude the program, I mean, this has been a fascinating discussion and I've learned a lot. Uh, but before we do that, I do like to give each of you an opportunity to 
wrap up with your closing thoughts on the subject. And also, if you'd like to tell our listeners uh, how they might follow up with you, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. So, Lawrence Heller, let's start with you. Well, I think at the end of the day, this is just another estate with all the publicity and everything that's going on. Uh, You've got your usual issues. You've got liquidity, which we just talked about. You've got uh, payment of the federal estate tax. You've got a determination being made of who's responsible for the minor children and who's responsible for the estate and all the assets and who's going to be in charge of paying uh, for paying the creditors and taking that into consideration. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, participate in this. Uh, if anybody has follow-up questions, uh, please feel free to contact me. Uh, my email address is uh, l-h-h-e-l-l-e-r at brian, b-r-y-a-n-c-a-v-e dot com. And my telephone number is area code 310 576-2153. Thanks. And Tom Featherston. Well, I, I agree with Lawrence's concluding remarks. Uh, I, I'll just add what I said at the beginning of the program. Overall, I was surprised that uh, Michael Jackson apparently did go through some you know, good, solid estate planning prior to his death. And, and I would commend him uh, for doing that and listening to his advisors because this is just good, solid uh, estate planning, at least it, it, as it appears right now. Uh, if anybody would like to get in contact with me, probably the easiest way is to get on the Baylor Law School website and easy link to, to me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be with you all today. And we appreciate your being with us, uh, Lawrence Heller and Tom Featherston. We thank you very much for your time and your participation. Uh, that about does it for Lawyer to Lawyer for this week. A reminder to our listeners that you can find all of our programs as well as the current week's program at thelegaltalknetwork.com and also in the iTunes podcast library. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back next week with another program about the legal profession. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.